0: Have you ever been there? Have you ever been the victim of somebody else's poor choices? The victim of somebody else's evil? Uh, The the victim of somebody else's selfishness? Because if you have, then you have wondered, where is God in that? I mean, if you have been on the receiving end of somebody else's abuse, then you have asked the question, God, if you are real and if you are loving, if you are caring, if you are compassionate at all, where are you? And that's the kind of question that, uh, you know, Paul Young, the writer of this book called The Shack, and which has been recently made into a blockbuster kind of a film, uh, that's the kind of question he, he's asking in this. He's asking, where are you, God? And how do we wrestle with the evil that is in our world? And now this little book called The Shack, it's uh, been an amazing run for the writer because it was the most, uh, or the best-selling self-published book in the history of of the entire world. It sold almost 25 uh, 25 million copies. And when it started, he he couldn't even find a publisher. So he just decided to put it out there on his own. His first printing was like 15 copies. And it's gone on to be one of the best-selling books, top 100 best-selling books in the history of the world. And so it's crazy just how good this book has done. And the book and the movie has kind of been met with mixed reviews. Some people... If you're doing any reading out there, if you talk to people, uh, they'll say that this is like the greatest thing since Jesus himself has walked the planet. I mean, some people just are raving about what this movie has meant to them, while other people think it's like from the devil himself, right? Uh, and I've spent a ton of time uh, reading reviews and trying to figure this out, and, and I'm amazed at how split the Christian community is over this book and movie. It's it's really quite amazing. So I want you to know that I have both read the movie and now I have seen the movie uh, thanks to Pastor Greg paying for it, because I'm like, hey, ain't spending 10 bucks for a movie at a theater? Are you crazy? That will kill me, you know? Uh, but Greg's like, come on, we got to go see this thing. And so he pays for it. So there you go. Uh, so I both have seen, uh, the, read the book and seen the movie. And over the next few moments, what I hope to do is I want to take you on a little bit of a guided tour through the shack. And uh, we're going to look at this book and this movie um, with, with, uh, with kind of a charitable and yet critical eye. Uh, we're, we're going to attempt to understand what it teaches throughout this this movie now pause for a second I already got emails and messages saying you do realize it's just a fiction right it's just a fictional story it's not teaching anything it's not meant to you know kind of instruct us about anything I don't know about that friends listen it's that's just not entirely true because fiction forms us it really does Fictitious stories shape our worldview. They, they, they develop our understanding of how life is and what we feel and what we're, we're driven toward as people. Fiction it definitely, definitely has an inform, informative uh, influence on all of us. This is why, as, as wise parents, we keep our kids from certain things that are uh, you know not age-appropriate to them, right? So we know the power of influence that entertainment can have. We really do. And what's interesting... Uh, the shack is trying to teach us something. And people go, no, 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 Jay, it's not, it's just a movie. It's not true because the author over and over and over himself, the author says, I wrote this book to teach my kids and the world about who God is. So he has every intent to teach the, from this book. And if you've seen the movie, uh, you get that feeling that there is like this, there are times that you just feel like you're being taught something. And I'm gonna tell you something. Most of it, is very good. Much of it is incredible, and much of it will, will move somebody toward the God of the Bible, and, and for big parts of it are just compelling and are just so, so good. Um, but there are other parts um, that, that kind of fall short. It begins to make this picture about who God is, and, and it, it literally falls short in, in some very, very big ways. And so, uh oh, my notes are skipping around on me, kind of crazy. Um, And and so, what I wanna do is, we we gotta make sure that we we get this understanding about who God is, and we gotta get it right because uh, there are some things in life that you can get wrong. You understand this, right? There are some things like you bake a cake and you forget to put sugar in it, it's okay. You go, oh, that tastes terrible, and you throw it away and you move on with life. It doesn't devastate your life. But other things, you have to get right, and you gotta get it right the first time. Am I right? Such as like bungee jumping, right? You, you don't show up and, and have the instructor go, hey, listen, man, I haven't done this very much, but I, I mean I'm not exactly sure what to clamp on to what and where and all that, but good luck! You know, you would never do that. There's certain things you you have to just get right. You can't afford to to get wrong. And this idea about who God is and how we think about God and, and spiritual things and the Bible and all that, it's just so important. We just can't go bungee jumping off the edge and hoping that we get it right. Knowing God for who he really is is critical. And let me tell you something, friends. It's worth us thinking about it's worth us watching and listening to the world around us with a discerning eye and a discerning heart. Um, Not just a critical heart, but trying to figure out what is really, really true and what is really not. Because even Jesus himself said this is critically important. Listen to what Jesus said about this idea of getting the God thing right. Jesus said this in John 17, 3. He says, now this is eternal life. He says, if you want to know how to how to make it into eternity in the right way. This is eternal life. He says this, that they may, they, they know you, the only true God, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Believing the right things about God, knowing the right things about God is way more important than a bungee uh, you know, instructor hooking up all the right stuff. That's important. And we got to get that right. But this is even more important that we understand it. Now there's a ton in this movie that will move you toward God. And there's a ton in this movie to like. But there are some things that just fall short. And and I don't necessarily want to condemn some things, I just want to make sure we're lifted in the right direction, that we have an understanding of what the God of the Bible really teaches us about these things. And it's sort of like eating chicken, right? Like when you're sitting down to a good chicken meal, you eat the good stuff and you put the bones aside, right? And so that's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna approach this whole thing. We're gonna receive what is good and we're gonna reject what is bad and we're gonna redeem what is lacking. Does that make sense? We're gonna reject what is bad or we're gonna receive what is good, we're gonna reject what is bad and we're gonna redeem what is lacking. We're gonna lift up those things that fall short we're gonna try to figure this out. So again, let me just be very clear that there's a lot in this book to love, but there are some things in this book that we have to get right. And so are you guys ready for this? Let's go into The Shack together. Let's give you a quick overview on it. The Shack is a book that seeks to provide answers about the most haunting questions of life. The big ones, like where is God in a world that is so filled with pain and hurt and evil? Uh, it's a tale that revolves around the main character, a guy named Mack or Mackenzie Phillips, and four years before he has his shack experience, we could call it. Mac's youngest daughter, a girl named Missy, was abducted during a family vacation and her body was never found. Later, we learned that the police found evidence of a brutal murder inside of this thing called the shack, what they called an old abandoned shack. And so the story... Uh, begins by learning that this notorious killer, child killer, kills Mac's daughter. And Mac is wrestling deeply with the effects of that. And He's living in the shadow of great sadness. And one day, kind of out of the blue, he receives this this note from God. It's like a letter from the, the God character in the book is named Papa. And so he receives this letter from God. And Papa, this God character, invites Mac to return to to the shack, and he thinks it's the shack where his daughter was brutally murdered. And uh, though he's uncertain about what to expect at his visit, Mac decides to go to the scene of the crime where his daughter was murdered. And what he runs into is a week-long, weekend-long experience or an encounter with God, or more properly stated, the Godhead. And, and you've heard of this uh, idea of a Godhead in the Bible, right? You've heard of the Trinity. Have you heard of this? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, in the book, these three expressions of God, these three persons of God who are one, they're, they're expressed in bodily form in the book. And it gets very interesting because each of the members are present and each appears in bodily form. And, and the first one is Papa, who is like the God character, the Father God character in the book. And, and in the story, the, the name given is ilusia, which is the, the Greek uh, word for tenderness or compassionate. And we learn that God has this very tender and compassion side, and, and one of the shocking things, as soon as you figure it out, is that the Godfather, God the Father character, appears as this pleasantly plump African-American lady, and you go, hmm, this is weird, and she's named Papa she 's the god character, but later in this book, uh, the, God reappears to to Mac our main character uh, in the form of an older long haired ponytailed you know wise but tough you know kind of grandfatherly figure and, and so God makes these different appearances in, in, in this book and in, in, in the book Jesus, uh, he appears as this Younger, middle-aged, uh, kind of uh, Mid-Eastern descent, kind of a guy, and the Holy Spirit character is given the name Sarayu, which is the Sanskrit language for wind or wind that blows, kind of illustrating the Holy Spirit, the wind that blows through our lives, right? And, and the Holy Spirit character is played by an, a, a tiny, petite, like Tinkerbell effort, or uh, Asian descent lady, you know, just kind of this Tinkerbell type of character. Um, and, and so the author has this description of the Holy Trinity. And if you've uh, read the Bible, or if you've heard this before, you kind of have this moment when you when you see that God has appeared as like an Aunt Jemima character. You kinda go, What? I don't I don't get this. This is this is crazy. This is so different. And immediately you want to say, this is blasphemy. This is, this is off the charts. This is making God something that he's not. And, and after all, God, the father says of himself, he says this, you cannot, uh, he says, you cannot see my face for no one may see me alive and live. And so this is a big and important biblical concept that we have to get right. God, the father is too big and too powerful and too strong to be reduced to any image. We understand this, right? We understand that no matter how this book presents God, it's always gonna be smaller than God. It's always gonna be less than God. Uh, so right away in the shack you realize this, that, that this author is, uh, is trying to take this creative license and, um, f- for presenting God, because if you're gonna try to f- tell a story of this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you gotta figure out a way to present it. And so I think the author meant well by this. With that said, though, understanding that no matter how you present God, it's just too small. I think the author uh, meant well, and we understand that, that the author was using this kind of creative license for telling the picture or painting the picture of how God relates to us. As a matter of fact, we learned that Mac um, had a terrible childhood. And Mac was abused by an alcoholic father, just had a terrible childhood, terrible relationship with his father. And God, in the movie, appears to Mac as this woman, we learn, because God, like, and we know this in the Bible, God is neither male nor female. You get this right. God is what? Spirit. And John 4.24 says that God is not male or female, God is, is spirit. And so what we learn is that God is compassionate. And he appears to Mac in the most compassionate way to meet his need in that moment. Uh, Mac, we learned, wasn't ready to receive God as a holy father, God as an almighty father. And so God, in his compassion, this is the author's telling of the story, God, in his compassion, meets Mac as this pleasant, tender, maternal, older black lady And and it presents a different side of the person of God. Uh, And and later in the the movie, we know that after Mac deals with some of the pain and some of the hurt in his life and he kind of tracks through his story, kind of going way back into his past, um, we we learn that God appears, when Mac is ready, God appears to him as this heavenly father in the form of this old, wise, tough guy, right? And so he appears in both ways. And and what I learned from this, and what I think this is true, is that, that God meets us where we are in a way that will take us where we need to go. Do you understand this about God? No, let, me, let me say this. I get it, it's crazy the way it's presented in the book and it's, 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 a, it's a story, it's fiction, I get it. But the truth is that for all of our lives, God will meet you where you are in a way that will take you where you need to go. This is God's compassion for many of us in this room, we've had this relationship with God. We've been working on this relationship with God. And if you're like me at all, you have moments that it's just dark and it's a struggle and you're wondering what's next. And let me tell you something. After all these years of trying to figure out who God is and trying to walk with him, I'm learning that God meets me where I am and lifts me from where I am and takes me to where I need to go. And friends, I think you're going to find that to be true. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians 4.19, it, it says that God meets you in all of your need. He meets you in all of your need. And yes, we get it. God is not this pleasantly plump African-American lady. But we also get that God is not some white-bearded, old, tough, wise man. He's not either of those things. Both of those things are way, way Too small, and so as strange as it was for me, who have this very you know biblical worldview of who God is, um, what the author did was strangely encouraging to me, And and it rung as a biblical truth to me that that God just meets us, and that's what He wants to do. And so that's sort of the starting point in this book, is this shock that you got to get over about how God is presented. And in this book, we learn that Mac has been given this opportunity to meet with God, and so he could learn to deal with the great sadness of his life, the overwhelming pain and disappointment from losing his child to to such an incredible evil. And and, and this deep sadness comes at the cost of many relationships in his life, and he he struggles all the way through this, but as the weekend progresses uh, through lengthy dialogue with all three members of the Trinity, and the topics go all over the board from the cross to the Trinity itself, from forgiveness and free will and the evil of this world and heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff. The topics are all over the board, but what we learn is that Max's relationship with God changes. It's, it's torn apart bit by bit by bit, and it's put back together again in, in, in a totally different way. So what I would like to do is I want to just show you a one-minute clip to kind of set up Matt's, Mac's deepest struggle. Check this out. You're the almighty God, right? You know everything. You're everywhere all at once. You have limitless power. Yet somehow, You say you are. Where were you when I needed you? Son, when all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. So you can see the tension, right? And this is a tension I think all of us have. So, there are some really, really great things about this movie. And I just want to highlight a few of the positives, all right? And then we'll turn the corner. Uh, A few of the things I think this movie does very, very well. And the first one is this Uh, the the story doesn't sugarcoat evil, it it paints this picture that evil is real, and it has an effect on humans. And it greatly alters the life of those who are the recipient of senseless evil acts. And, And so, it deals straight on with something that I think is one of the biggest. Questions of faith that so many people have. I think that one of the big reasons why people struggle to believe in this God who's supposed to be all loving and caring, they struggle with this idea of why is there such evil in the world? And why do terrible, terrible things seem to happen to very, very good people? And what I like about this this storyline is that it, it, it tackles this question head on, it's not afraid of this question. And as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid of this question either. And I think at times in this, this, this story, this, this movie, um, the, the writer does a, a good job trying to answer this, and it's even creative and powerful at times. And so I think that's a very uh, important part of this movie. So if you're struggling with this, this kind of question in your own life, I think this movie would help you get downfield in your relationship with God. And, and I think there's a second thing I really like about this movie is that, that God meets us personally personally in suffering, come on, that God meets us personally. This, this book and this movie does such a great job of making us understand that God is not aloof to our pain. He's not out there turning his back on us, but he knows when you're broken, and he cares, and he is at work in the brokenness of our life. And friends, this is deeply biblical. This is true of your life and my life, If you're like me at all, again, you've gone through times that you just wonder where God is. And in this movie, God is screaming, I am here. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I am with you. As a matter of fact, we remember from Psalm 23, one of the great chapters in the Bible. It says, yep, yes, 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 yep. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will not fear evil for God is with me. And this book, this movie, just brings that to life. I think that's really true. Here's the third thing that I think that this movie does such a great job with. It shows our need for a personal encounter with God. Christianity, the Christian faith, it is not a religion. It's not. Not like we know religion to be. It is about a relationship with God. And one of the things that we talk about in this church is that you and I, we need this. We need a relationship with God. We can't just come into a place like this, sit in rows like this, looking at the back of somebody's head and expecting that somehow God's gonna come alive to you. It has got to be personal. It has got to be purposeful that you and I, we have to work on our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with our Creator. We have to work on inviting the Spirit of God into our lives, I think this is true of your life and my life. I think at some point, all of us get tired of just knowing about God and hearing about God when God doesn't feel real to us. God's meant to feel real to you. And I think this this story does an incredible job of of making that come alive, that religion is never enough. So you guys with me so far? Y'all good so far? So now we're gonna turn the corner a little bit And this is where you may want to throw things at me if you're a shack lover, okay? Um, Because there are some things in this book that I just think that fall short and that we just have to understand with a little discernment what God really wants us to know about his character. And so the first one is this, and this one might surprise you a little bit. I think that the shack has a low view of the church, I think the shack gives this low view of the church. In this movie, the Jesus character, he claims to not even recognize the institution of the church as something that he started. He claims to not even recognize it. I understand, listen, friends, all the intense pain that could come from a local church. I understand that many people have been hurt by the local church. I even understand that I have hurt people in my role as a leader of the local church but but in this book I think we can understand and many of us can resonate with Young's description of all the imperfections of the church but, but as I read this book and I watch the movie I, I just couldn't help but seeing from beginning to end that the shack has this quietly subversive quality to it it has this this very subtle criticizing tone of many aspects of, of the local church and contemporary Christianity uh, before replacing the concepts that are criticized with new ones. So, uh, for, for example, at one point in the movie, and there's many points like this, but at one point in the movie, it's very subtle. It's very subtle, but it's, it sticks out at me as being subversive uh, to what God is trying to do among us, like in a place like this. So, for example, uh, it says, when uh, Jesus was talking to the uh, Mac and, and they're kind of talking about the church and they're talking about this body we call the church the gathering like this that we call the church it, it says Jesus' character says you're talking about the church as this woman you're in love with then he says I'm pretty sure I haven't met her she's not the place that I go to Sunday on Sundays Woo! By contrast, this is what Jesus says about the church. He says this in in the book of Matthew, he says, this is Jesus' words, I will build my church. I will build my church, it's my church, I'm gonna build my church, I care about my church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Another place in the scripture says, I love the church and I gave up my life for the church. Now friends, let me tell you something. I pray to God that Jesus shows up at our church. Every single week. And when I hear this, there's part of me that recoils because, friends, I believe with all of my heart, yes, there are all kinds of imperfections in the local church, and there are all kinds of struggles even in our local church, and there's a whole bunch of things that we don't get right. But friends, I believe with all of my heart that when the church is working right, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the grace giver of God to the world. Listen, what's going to fix our world is not more government. What's going to fix our world is not more education, not more business, not more money, not more entertainment, not more songs. What's going to fix our world is the grace of God handed to our world. And friends, the church, you and me, what we're doing right here and brothers and sisters like us all around the world are the grace givers of God. We are the purveyors of the truth of God to the world. And friends, listen, I get it. We have got to get this right. We've got to get this right. Because the world's counting on us to get it right. And I get it that, that the church is not a building. The church isn't just us. The church is the body of Jesus around the world that meets locally just like this. And friends, what we do matters. And I have to believe, I have to believe that God shows up here I have to believe that when we gather like this, that there is something holy and beautiful and sacred that happens among us. I have to believe that God visits with us and I have to believe that God visits with you through this place. I I felt one of the more troubling lines in this entire movie was from the Jesus character. Again, uh, Mac and Jesus were talking about being a Christian, right? And Jesus says, this blows my mind. He says, "Who said anything about being a Christian?" Jesus character saying this. Who said anything about being a Christian? I'm not a Christian. And I read this, and and this was so troubling to me. I, I just. I couldn't understand why the writer would put this line in there. So I went crazy, and I'm so glad that you guys paid me to do all kinds of reading. And, and so I read everything from this author. I was trying to figure out what in the world are you talking about? And he had an article about this very statement about him saying, I'm not a Christian. But what was interesting in this little article, he said, oh, I'm most certainly a Christian. But it depends on how you define the word Christian. So he begins to talk about in the movie, the way he wrote it, the way he did was because he said, the world looks at the Christian church and doesn't understand what we are and who we are and who we're supposed to be. He says, the world looks at us and thinks of us as condemning and judgmental and arrogant and shady in so many ways and out for our own pocketbook and we only care about us. And he says, if that's what you define as Christian, then he says, I'm not a Christian. But he goes on to say, but if you define Christian, as loving like Jesus and following Jesus and sacrificing like Jesus and being generous like Jesus and trying to bring grace to the world like Jesus, then he says, I am most certainly a Christian. But, but the problem in the movie, if you just watch the movie, it doesn't bring that context at all into it. It doesn't bring that understanding at all into it. Friends, and here's what happens. When you, when you watch these subtle tones that are against the local church like this, and you don't put proper context to it, people walk away with the wrong impression of the role of the church and the importance of the church. Um, I'm gonna, as you kind of move through this movie, he he downplays the role, and he downplays the role of the church and the Bible, and and yet Jesus says this, the, the builder of the church, and I'm gonna say something that is not very popular in the world, but Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And there's this line in the book where where Jesus, this Jesus character says, um, Jesus is the best way to get to Father, to get to Papa. He is the best way. He is. But it's way more than that. He's the only way. He is the only way to get to the Father. And when you become a Christian through Jesus, you become part of His church. You, you become part of us. And, and so I think the, the, the shack has this low view of the church that needs to be lifted. And we got to un- walk out of this place understanding that what we do here matters. And that you serving and you giving. Listen, just uh, last night at this little baptism thing, we had person after person after person after person who said, My life is hurting. My life was a mess and I sit there in the little pool watching these stories and I just could not help but weep because what we do matters. Why you give matters, why you serve matters, why you volunteer, it matters. It matters in the church. And to hear people say that because I came into a place like this, Jesus changed my heart. Jesus changed my soul. Jesus changed my marriage. Jesus changed my relationship with my kids. Jesus changed the, uh, the, the past of my life and redeemed it and brought it into something brand new. Friends, the church is God's gift to the world. And we gotta get it right. We gotta get it right. Y'all with me on that? And, and so I think the shack not only has a low view of the church, but the shack has this low view of the Bible itself. And I know this is kind of open to interpretation, but but there is a central truth for all Christians, and that is that we believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. It is the single greatest source of revelation to, to, to humanity. And let me tell you something, friends. If you were to track through the shack, you would see that it emphasizes this personal encounter with God uh, that kind of uh, makes God this mystical experience that, and it really makes the scriptures completely irrelevant. Matter of fact, there's this line in the shack that says this. Um, the Holy Spirit person, Sariah, Sh- is, is talking about um, the role of, of the Spirit of God revealing himself to us. And, and it's interesting because basically the character says, the Bible is reduced to words on paper that need to be decoded by those with theological training. And then she says this, instead, you will learn to hear my thoughts, Mac, inside of your thoughts. She goes on to say, you might see me in a piece of art or a piece of music or in silence or through people or in creation or in your joy or in your sorrow. In other words, Mac, look to God everywhere but the Bible. Oprah would be very proud, right? Now listen, friends, I'm not denying at all that you can find God everywhere because God is everywhere. And God is longing to reveal himself to you in all sorts of ways. But let it be clear that there is a primary truth given to us, and it's through the scriptures. And there's this tone in this movie, if you watch it or if you read the book, there's this tone that says, Well, as long as you believe what you believe and you thought you've had this God experience, as long as you sincerely believe what you think you believe and you're good at acting out what you believe, as long as you're searching for the right thing, then it's all good that you're gonna end up in heaven anyways. But friends, that can't be true. Listen, it just can't be true because right now in the world there are millions upon millions of Muslim people who believe that their highest love and devotion for God is to kill an infidel like you and me. Friends, do you think God could possibly honor that? No matter how sincerely they believe this? Do you think God could honor that? I don't think so. So what you feel doesn't denote whether it's true or not. But our world in this book, this movie, paints this picture that, that you can just kind of feel your way through God. But friends, that's simply not true. It it takes something more than that. And God has been generous with us and he's given us his written word to, to be this final revelation about how we're supposed to interpret all those other experiences that we have. As a matter of fact, the Bible says of itself that that it is the final arbitrator of our behavior. It is the final arbitrator of truth toward us. And that the best place to understand what the Bible means to us and what it's supposed to mean to us is actually found in the Bible. This is what the Bible says it's for in our life. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is so important that we understand this, guys. This raises our understanding about God. It says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, here's what it's profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every single good work. Clearly the Bible places this demand on us to be preeminent in our life, to be the final arbitrator of truth in our life. And and now let's just pause for a second here. And I know in a room this size with this many people, uh, there are some in this room who aren't sure what to believe about the Bible. You, you, you look at it, and you're going, you know what, some of it sounds good, some of it rings deep in my soul, but other parts of it, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can believe it or not. I get that. I've spent my lifetime, over the last 20, 30 years of my life, trying to figure out the God of the Bible. And, and I've had my doubts, I've had my struggles, I have had my questions. But I want you to know, if this is you, if this is you, you are welcomed here, doubts and all. This is a place that you can search those truths out. And, and I also want you to know that that we don't want you just to think that there are no reasonable responses to whether the Bible is true or not. We believe that there is reasonable responses to this. To your questions, there are reasonable answers. And we would like to help you on your journey. We have stuff in our bookstore, we have entire teaching series about why we believe the Bible to be true. my, myself or one of the other pastors here, we would love to sit down with you if you have questions. All you gotta do is contact us. Don't, don't go through this journey alone thinking I'm not sure where to find my answers because we believe that there are really good answers to some of your big questions. So are we all good with that? Are we all good with that? Okay, so here's the biggest one and we'll kind of wrap it around this. This is where you may want to throw things at me, okay? Uh, if you're a shack lover, um, I think the shack presents this low view of the church, and I think the shack presents this low view of the Bible. But I think the shack also presents this very low view of God. It, it makes God out to be, and I love this. I love this about the book. It makes out God to be this uh, unconditional, loving, uh, gentle, uh, super wise, super sweet, super cool God who just knows what to say at the right time and and just wants to kind of grab you and give you a big old bear hug. And I think that's all true about God. I think that's all good about God. But friends, that is not all there is to God. God is way more than that. And friends, if we end up with half of God, we don't have any of God. You can't just end up with half of God. There's more to God than this. Listen, friends, I, I just want us to know this. I get it, it's a movie, uh, and they only have so much time to deal with the nature of God, but, but but when you, this is doctrine, this is theology, this is so important for us to know. We have to understand who he really is. Uh, pastor Tim Keller, he's this really kind of scholarly pastor out of New York. He's, he's an incredible writer. I love to read his stuff. And, and he, he says this about the shack. He says, anyone who is strongly influenced by the imaginative world of the shack will be totally unprepared for a far more multi-dimensional and complex God that you actually meet when you read the Bible. In other words, when you read the Bible, you will find a huge part of the Bible that describes this, this unconditional loving father who just wants to wrap his arms around you, but you will find another part of God that you're not so sure you want to get around. As a matter of fact, we've been studying the book of the Proverbs, or the book of the uh, Prophets, right? Isaiah, we've been talking about this. But if you were to spend any time in, in the Prophets, especially in the old, part of the, uh, the old Testament part of the Bible, you'll find that God is constantly condemning and vowing judgment on the enemies of God. He, he says over and over and over throughout the Scriptures, he looks at the evil of our world and says, you're not going to get away with it. But if you look at the God of the shack, it, it re- repeatedly denies that sin is even offensive to God. It it says over and over, it paints this picture that God looks at the sin of this world. God looks at the brokenness of this world and God looks at the evil in the world and the evil in your heart and he's not offended by it. He's not put off by it. Friends, that simply cannot be true. That God will call into an account all of our actions, all of the actions of this world. If you, if, if you were to read Psalm 119 in the scripture, uh, a person who reads Psalm 119 would be, would be reading the writer saying that he delights in the law of God, in, in the decrees of God, in the statutes of God, in the judgments of God. But if you were to read the shack, you, you would see that, that God is uh, given up on any rules for humanity or expectations for humanity. That there's this line in the movie that goes over and over. Says all he wants is relationship. All he wants is relationship. There, there's part of the movie where the God character uh, Papa is talking and uh, about sin and judgment and all that. And, and Papa is portrayed as this, you know, again this loving and compassionate uh, person. And in the movie, Papa says sin is its own judgment. And friends, that's true. That's true, right? I mean, that's called consequences, right? When our kids screw something up, they pay the price for it, am I right? If you do something stupid, you're probably gonna get hurt in the process, both emotionally and physically. It's just the way life is. It's called the law of consequences. But let me tell you something, as a good father, I don't just go, hey, I'm glad he got his own way. As a good father, I go and I see my my sons acting up. I go and I correct them. I discipline them. I don't just let the law of consequences play out. I also provide direction and uh, reproof and instruction and discipline in their life. Any good father would. And parents who look at their kids and go, well, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen and don't provide leadership, we call those people lousy parents, right? We call them lousy parents. And then there's this other part in the movie. It blows my mind. It, 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 Papa is fond of saying that she's fond of everybody, despite their actions. Now, let me tell you something. I believe God loves everybody, despite our actions. I know God loves me in spite of my actions. Whew. And I'm thankful for it. I'm so thankful. Anybody thankful for that? Come on. But, but listen, uh, Mac, when he's talking about the, the murderer of his daughter, when he's talking about the abductor and the child molester that, 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 that took his daughter from him, He begins to talk about the judgment of God, the wrath of God. And the Papa character, the God character, answers Mac like this. Wrath? Question mark. Wrath? You lost me right there. I have no wrath. And I look at that and I go, are you kidding me? I think this is the greatest tragedy of the shack And I know the world is is fond of saying don't judge me and we want a God who's all loving and God shouldn't be mad at us. And there's even this movement within Christianity, the self-identifying Christian movement that says it says there is no hell, that they have erased hell from the concept of God because God is so loving that God could never judge, that God could never bring into account what is wrong in, the, in this world. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Papa downplays the, the, the ramifications of sin and says, I have no need to punish sin. Sin is its own punishment. In another scene, Mac is asking God about the concepts of hell itself, and, and you, you walk away from the scene with only one conclusion from, from the, the movie, is that there is no hell. That God is not interested in making all things right. God is only interested in getting along with people. I'm going to tell you a deep and profound biblical truth. You may want to write this down. You may want to take a picture and go home and think about this. But this is biblical doctrine. This is the understanding of God that the Bible paints. It goes like this. To deny that God is just... To deny that God is good, just, holy, righteous, deny that God is just, removes the concept of atonement and removes the need for a savior to die for our sins. In other words, if God wasn't interested in making my sins right and accounting for my sins, why did Jesus have to die for me? If if there is no account in our life, wouldn't that make God out to be a murderer of his own son? If there wasn't some higher reason for it? You see, God looks at the sin of our hearts and the sin of this world at all levels, yours and mine and the big ones in the world. And He says, a loving God calls that into an account, just like a loving parent does. Friends, in this don't judge me world, we want a God who judges. We want a God who looks at evil and and righteousness and can discern the difference. We want a God who can look at right and wrong and figure out which is which, don't we? I think that we do. And let me tell you something, friends. To make a right judgment is loving from God. Just like it's loving from a parent. Uh, To make a right judgment over sin and evil is is good and loving and it's noble and it's caring to do this. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you were to go to the very end of the Bible, there's this book called Revelation. And it's forward looking at what's going to happen at the end of it all. So, you know, for those of us who believe the Bible, we believe that, that God revealed this to a man named John. And John writes down what he sees coming at the end of the age. And this is at the very end of the Bible when there are very few words left after this in the whole Bible. This is how it sort of ends, okay? This is just before the, the real ending. It's like just a little bit before it. Okay, here's what it says. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Listen carefully. Then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. What's in the books, friends? The story of our lives. The story of our lives, listen, it says, I saw that the books were opened. Another book was opened, which was called the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in these books. The sea gave up their dead that were in it and the death and Hades gave up their dead that were in them. And each person was, what does it say? Each person was judged. There's a day coming that I'm gonna breathe my last breath and I'm gonna stand before God. And I'm going to have to keep an account for who I am. Now, God provides a way out for me. His name is Jesus. Because I can't withstand that kind of judgment or scrutiny. And my guess is, maybe y'all are a little bit better than I am, but you ain't that much better. You're going to need somebody to stand in the gap between you and God. And the Bible says that's Jesus. That's why he died, to pay for my sin, to pay for your sin, because God demands a payment and it's just too expensive for you and me to pay. So he makes a way out. Listen to what it says um, it says that they will be judged according to what they had done. Then the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Friends, if God doesn't have a wrath, then God's not holy. And if God doesn't make judgment, then God's not good. But God is holy and God is good. And he looks at the evil of this world and he discerns the difference. But if you were to read through this book, I'm afraid, friends, that you will get only one side of God. But there is another side. God is far more complex. And friends, if you only get half of God, you get none of him. Amen? Now, um, now, if, uh, as, as we, we talk about this, my hope is that you won't walk out of here going, oh, that's just another one of those stick-in-the-mud pastors. They don't like anything creative. Anything. That's not me at all, honestly. And I love this movie. I think there's all kinds. I think you should see this movie. I think if you've got an unbelieving friend, you should see this movie with them. I think it'd be great. But I just want us to understand that there is more to God than this movie makes out. All right, so if you've got big problems with this and you're gonna email somebody, I'll, I'll just give you my email address. It's greg at metrocitychurch.tv. Okay. <laughs> All right, hey, would you do me the honor? Uh, Are are we good with this? Does this help you understand? Okay, Um, so would you stand to your feet? Uh, Would you stand to your feet? And uh, I just want to pray before we get out of here. And uh, you know, I I, I, mean, the band did such a great job today and, and last night, just so many good things happening in our church. I want you to know that, I want you to be involved. I want you to take your next step. Just don't come and attend. Get involved, we need each other. We need to take the grace of God to the world, okay? Let me pray for us. Can I do this? Uh, Father in heaven, we take a moment to uh, humble ourselves before you. And God, I think somewhere in our soul, we know that you are undefinable. And, and we, we recognize that we can't put you in a box. And, and we're appreciative of the efforts made by this movie maker we hope and pray that it does great things in people's lives. We, we hope and pray that it brings people to you. Um, but God, I pray that they, would, that, that they and that we would search you out and really come to know you and love you and understand who you are. God, help us to grow. Help us to take our next steps. Everybody in this room, God, may your grace cover us all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. amen.